This message was presented through a partnership between GYC and GYC Europe at the 2012 conference in Linz, Austria. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. So I'm excited about this opportunity uh, to share about this here. And um, I don't believe it is a coincidence uh, that I'm here having this wor workshop. And I don't believe it's a coincidence that you are here on this workshop. I believe it's an answer to prayer. And I'm excited to see what will come out of uh, how this movement will continue to, to, to reach out and make a difference, make an impact uh, in this world. Uh, here we have a short outline of what we will look at in this um, workshop. We'll talk about how the whole thing started. I will share some testimonies from people that have been on the trip. And I will talk about what we do and give a, a couple of experiences to give you a taste of what, what we are uh, yeah, experiencing during these trips. Then I will look at seven advices, seven top seven advices, what we uh, have learned and things that can be good to know. And then I will talk about the great potential, why I believe this concept has um, a great potential. And then I will talk about a little bit about how to start. How can you start an impact project? And then in the end, uh, if we have time, we'll take some questions and answers as well. Okay, so that's a short outline. Before we get into this, to introduce myself, I will just give you a two and a half minute testimony. And uh, I was raised in a good 70 Amethyst home. I believed in God. I believed in what we believe is true. And I had a lot of knowledge. When I was about seven years old, I read the you know, Bible stories of Maxwell. When I was about 14, 15, I read the Great Controversy. I had quite some knowledge. I knew a lot of what we believed, but I did not know God. I did not have a personal living relationship to Christ. It was around the time of my baptism when I was 15 years old when I actually started to to read the Bible before, you know, I read it sometimes maybe, uh, very seldom, but I always brought it to church, my Bible. But at that time, I started to read the Bible uh, regularly. Every day I read the Bible through in a year. And also I, I joined some Bible study groups about prophecy and different things. And when I started to take time to the Bible, also we went to Inspiration Weekends and Inspiration Weeks and things like this. That really uh, changed my life in many different ways. All areas of my life uh, was changed. The biggest change was when I was... 17 years old, when God changed the highest goal of my life from becoming a professional soccer player, which was my big dream since I was six, seven years old, uh, becoming a professional soccer player, winning soccer games, God changed the goal from that to working for him and winning souls for his kingdom. And, um, you know, for me at that time, he challenged me to remove this idol that soccer was in my life. It was a hard decision for me to take, but I never regretted it. And that will always be the case when we take a decision after God's will. Sometimes we don't understand, why do you ask me to do this? Or why, do you, why can't I do this? You know, uh, we don't always understand. But when we take a decision after God's will, we will never regret it. That is my experience. And, um, you know, my big dream was to one day, you know, represent the Swedish national team in soccer. That was my big dream. For me, it would be a great you know, privilege, a great honor uh, to do that. But I tell you something. Welcome. I tell you something. Um, as Christians, 
we are ambassadors for Christ. And that is a much greater honor, a much greater privilege and joy than anything else on this earth. It says in Testimony 7, page 49, that it is in unselfish ministry that true happiness is found. And that is my experience. And I hope also, if it's not already, that this will be uh, your experience as well. So, let me start with telling you a little bit about how God raised up this movement. It was in 2006. Uh, myself and a group of young people, we were at an inspiration week in Freedom Health Center in Norway with David Gates and David Ashrick. And many of us, we were really inspired, you know. Uh, we, we felt the, the presence of the Holy Spirit on these meetings like we have never felt before, many of us. And, and in the end of this week, uh, on, for Sabbath, you know, lunch, after the divine service, we sat together, you know, eating, and then we started to talk about, you know, what, what to do. We were inspired to do something. So we decided that we wanted to organize an evangelistic campaign uh, the following su summer. And we did. 2007, we organized a one-week uh, evangelistic campaign in Oslo, and we were about 20 people. The average age were, age were under 20. Most of us have ne had never been a part of an evangelistic campaign before. But we wanted to do something, and we did it, and you know, God blessed. We were inspired, and we decided we want to continue with this. So the following summer, 2008, we, we, we actually decided to have two projects. So we had in two different cities, in Bergen and in Molde. We were now, from 20, we went to be about 40 people. And we were... Again, God bless, it was inspiring, and we wanted to continue. We wanted to you know, do even more. So we started to plan the following summer. We thought, okay, now, now we should do three campaigns at the same time. So we started to plan for this. But we understood after a while that God had other plans. A few years before this, an Adventist pastor in Norway, Sven Arvid Gustafsson in the West Coast, he crashed with this helicopter. And... Um, by God's grace, um, except for a little um, you know, cut in his head caused by the plexiglass, he was unharmed. And um, I don't have time to tell you all the stories, a very interesting story also how we got this helicopter. But anyway, um, this, this helicopter crash, it was covered in the Norwegian media, and, you know, the two biggest television stations and all the biggest newspapers. They, they talked about this, and they talked about it Positively, you know, it was positive report. They, they talked about how this Adventist pastor, you know, had uh, annual protection. So people got to hear about an Adventist pastor with annual protection. It was very nice. But still, even though it came good things out of it through that, um, Sven Arvid, he was wondering, you know, why did this happen? You know, why did God give me this heli helicopter? He has to take it away a few years afterwards. Because the thing is this, this had really helped him in his work. Before, you know, in this part of Norway, it's a lot of mountains and a lot of, you know, ferry crossings and things like this. He, sometimes he had to drive like seven, eight hours in a day to just visit one or two contacts. But when he got this helicopter, he could drive one or two hours and visit seven or eight contacts instead. You know, it really helped him in his ministry. So he was wondering, you know, why, God, why does this happen? Why does, you know, and he was wondering, he was praying to God. And, and then what God did, he answered Sven, by directing his thoughts to this quote in the book Education about an army of young people. And he said to Sven, to young people, an army of young people. And he said to Sven, 
do you want to bring the army of youth rightly trained into your sphere of your mission, into the sphere of your mission? And uh, so he understood, okay, God wanted him to start to work with young people. Um, but then he was wondering, okay, but okay, how should I do this? So then he got the idea that he should contact Matheson Mission School in Norway and talk with them about doing something, you know, with young people. So he did, and uh, uh, he, the idea was that they could get a, together a group of young people that could go door to door two, three weeks in the summer and to, could get contacts that he could work with uh, during the rest of the year. And so he talked with them and they liked the idea, but then the question came, you know, what about the budget? How should we transport all of these people? And without really thinking or realizing what he said, Svenarit said, you know, don't worry about that. I will take care of that. <laughs> and then afterwards he thought, but how should I do this? And, uh, but around, around that time, he got to hear by, by a coincidence, but I don't believe it was a coincidence, but seemingly a coincidence, he got to hear about a car dealer that had a bus that was for rent. So he talked with this guy and he thought, you know, he asked him, how much would it cost to, to rent this bus for a couple of weeks? And he said, you know, the price, he was really shocked when he heard the price. It was about 50,000 crowns, which is about 6,500 euros. Just to rent the bus for two, three weeks. It's like crazy. Uh, so, so, but then Sven, he, he said to him, um, he asked him if he, you know, didn't consider to, to sell the bus to him, if he could sell it to him. But the bus dealer, car dealer, he said, no, the bus isn't for sale. But then Sven said, Okay, when you decide to sell it, let me know about it. <laughs> but then he said, no, it's not for sale. I, I have, he had no intention whatsoever to sell this bus, he said. <laughs> um, yes, I know, Sven said. But uh, as I said, you know, when you decide to sell it, contact me. <laughs> so he, he, you know, he, dis he agreed to, to receive his uh, contact information. Uh, so he did. And uh, a few weeks later... <laughs> This guy call, call his, calls him up and says, you know, he changed his mind. And the bus was for, was for sale for 50,000 crowns, the price that he actually wanted to rent it for uh, two, three weeks. Now he was willing to sell it for this price. So Sven, he, he bought the bus. Around the same time, he got 10,000 crowns from, from somebody, donated it for his work, for his ministry. And the same summer, he got the rest of the money. So God, God really led the pieces together, and he got this bus. And here we have a picture of one of the, yeah, of, the, of this bus. Um, and uh, Svenarvin and his wife, they are two, two self-sacrificing people of faith. And because of their faith, because of their self-sacrifice and, and the leading of God and the blessing of God, all these years we have always had um, the transportation needed uh, for the mission trips. Uh, so this is the short story. I don't have time to tell you all of it. It's really, the whole story is really interesting. Um, but I w just want to sh share one more thing before we move on. And that was last summer, on the mission trip, we got problems with one of the buses, uh, because we had to have more buses as we were growing with impact. Anyway, we got a problem with one of them, and it actually, we had to push it to start at one point, you know, <laughs> the bus. I mean, it wasn't sure we were able to come down from North Norway, like 1,500 kilometers uh, drive to, to where we started, you know. We didn't know what would happen. Uh, but we were able to come down, praise God. And after this mission trip, uh, they took the bus to a garage. A, a guy volunteered that he said that he could look at it and see if he could fix it free of charge, actually, if he found the problem. And, but he looked at it, 
And when he looked at this bus, when he saw all these problems, you know, he couldn't believe that we would be able to, to drive this bus at all. He couldn't believe, we shouldn't, we shouldn't have been able to start this bus, he said. But praise God, we were. And uh, so, so many, so many ways we have really seen that God has been blessing and leading. And um, the story doesn't stop here. The thing was, Sunarvid, he partnered with Matheson Mission School. But in 2009, God led these two, two separate movements, the group of young people that were inspired on the Inspiration Week, and he led them together with Matheson Mission School and Sven Arvid and the buses, and through a suggestion from the Norwegian youth leader of the Adventist Church, and we came together, and instead of you know, organizing three mission trips, three campaigns that we had planned, we decided to make a bigger impact and to make a bigger, longer mission effort together. And that's how it started. Um, that was in 2009. And uh, since then, God, God really blessed. We could really see that this coming together, we really believe that God led us together and we became much stronger and uh, things became much better. This is from Impact Helgeland in 2010. In the first Impact, we were about 50 people. This year, the year after, we were about 80 people. Uh, last summer, we were... Um, 110, more than 110 people. This summer we were, we have had one mission trip with about 80 people. We have an, a second one. This year we have two ones in Norway um, in August. And so here you see a short overview, Impact Finnmark, Impact Helgeland. Then we also started last year a new concept with Impact Weekends where we help different churches. Um, it's, it began in Norway, so all this is in Norway. And, but last summer uh, it started in Sweden. Someone that came to Impact Vesterålen or to Impact Helgeland in 2010, they decided to, we want to do this in Sweden. So they started up in Sweden last summer, and this, now in August, they will have the second Impact uh, mission trip in, in Sweden. And here we see, yeah, what happens this year. We have started this year, we had two training weekends in the churches during the year, uh, where we inspire the churches and train them and help them to invite people to evangelistic meetings and health expo and things like this. Um, and then we have had this mission trip already. We have two in, the, in, uh, in August, one in Bergen and one in Sweden, Impact Sweden. And then this summer, we're very excited about that, they start Impact Latvia uh, for the first year. So you see, and then in, this also we are very excited about, Impact Scandinavia, a new conference where Impact Norway, Impact Sweden, Matheson Mission School, uh, and Living Waters, and in cooperation with the youth departments of all Scandinavian countries. We go together, and we want to try to make a big conference where we can meet uh, during the year in December, in the end of this year. So you see here, this is before 2012. This is in 2012, seven events. I wonder how 2013 will look like. I'm excited to see. God has been leading and things has been expanding and growing all the time. So I'm, I'm looking forward to see how 2013 uh, will look like. And when I think back, what has happened the last years with this movement, I can really see, I'm glad to see how God has been working. And no doubt, I see God, God has raised up this movement. He has led these groups of people together. He has kindled a fire and he has led people together to work for him and to make a difference, to make an impact uh, in this world. Um, so we have made a difference in thousands of people we have come in contact to. Uh, but not only that, maybe more importantly, 
all these trips had make, has made a big impact in all the young people that has come to these trips. It has impacted their direction of life. And I want to give you a glimpse of that uh, by first reading a few, give you a snapshot from the evaluations that they fill out in the end of the trips, and then also read some quotes, what they say, uh, what they think of the trip. Uh, one question we asked was, did the trip meet your expectation? In 2010, 91% said yes, or they more than, it more than met the expectations. In 2011, 95% uh, said yes, or more than. So that's nice to hear. They, it met it, or even more, it exceeded their expectations. Another question we asked was, how long do you think next year's trip should be? In 2010, uh, they said 75% said three weeks or more. Uh, so they don't want to have it shorter. We have had three weeks. We used several days to travel, you know. We have been in North Norway. It's a long way to, to go. The distance from Oslo to, to the north of Norway, we had the first trip, is about as the distance from Oslo to Rome, actually. 2,000 kilometers, very far. Anyway, so we need buses, for sure, to go to these places. Um, yeah, in 2011, 94% said three weeks or more. And actually, someone said... Six weeks, they said, it should be a six weeks impact. Um, another question we asked, are you coming next year? 2010, 75% said very likely or for sure. In 2011, 81% uh, said very likely or for sure. So we see like every year, the last years when we had this evaluation, it seems like people just get more and more, they like it better and better. And God has, you know, in many ways, we have seen that things have been better and better. We have learned and we have, uh, the concept has developed. Uh, in different ways. Another question we asked, would you recommend an impact Norway trip to someone else? In 2010, 95% said yes or with joy. In 2011, 97% said yes or with joy. Um, and the last question we asked, in, have you been inspired to be more actively involved in evangelism? 96% uh, said yes to that question. And that's one of our goals, one of our aims. So we're glad to see how they are inspired to not only do mission during the summer, but also as they come home in their local churches uh, during the year. Some, some uh, inspiring um, testimonies from people who have been on the trip that shows a little bit what this means to people. One question we asked is, how has this trip helped you in your Christian walk? And Gudeon, 18 years old, he said, got new inspiration, seen God work in others and my own life. I am baptized, but have been baptized anew. And during impact, I decided to use the rest of my life to the cause of God. So praise God for that. Another quote, Hedy Beate, 23 years old, she said, In many ways, several times I thought that this trip should have been called Impact Hedy Beate instead. And she's not the only one. Several people say similar things like this, you know, they feel that it was me that was impacted the most, you know, by coming on this trip. Another quote, um, Everyone here has encouraged me so much, and I'm eager to share these things with my own church in the States and continue doing mission work. God worked in my life so much, and I will never forget what he did for me in my life there. I have learned that youth power is something special, and that, you com that complete joy and meaning with life is found when God dreams your dreams. 
Another question, or yeah, is actually, do you have any other comments? And some things that people answered on this question was, tell the churches about our experiences and the work of impact. Inspire them to work together with us. Split the group and send it south and north at the same time. Anyway, awesome trip. <laughs> Uh, someone else said, Raymond, one of the, most people are young that come on the trip, but he, he was one of the older ones, he is 46 years old, he said this, I think that the impact concept is the best that has happened in the Adventist church during my life. Last quote uh, from the participants, we need a mission school and an impact Norway mission trip in Denmark, we have some Danes here, it's good, um, and many other countries. We need to build an ark, churches, restaurants, and evangelism in the cities, towns, and printing presses, mission schools, universities, and sanatoriums on the countryside. That is my dream. So, um, I think you start to see a little bit how this, this is really making an impact. It's changing the direction of young people that come on the trip, uh, change the direction for life. People decide you know, to, to use the rest of their life. Uh, in, in mission work. And so we believe that this concept has a huge potential. We're spreading around the world. Therefore, we have started to work on a handbook that will help, you know, we write down things we have learned and how we do things to make it easier for people, you know, to do similar things in their countries to help to spread this concept. And therefore, I'm also excited about this opportunity. And as we heard, it has already come to Sweden. Uh, it's on its way to Latvia. Uh, and it's on its way to several other uh, countries, several people that has been in contact with us as well. Um, Daniel Pell, as you have met during this conference, that has traveled the world the last seven years preaching the gospel, he said the following about the impact concept. He said, Europe and Scandinavia has been the birthplace of the Reformation, which has made an impact in the entire world. Today, this secular continent itself needs an impact, and this is exactly what impact is doing. Rarely have I seen such a vibrant group of young people united in purpose to spread the good news of the gospel. I believe that the vision of impact has the potential to not only rekindle the reformation in Scandinavia, but in the entire world. It is my hope, my prayer, and my confidence that the way in which God has led us and what we have learned the last years, that that will be a help to all of you who listen to this seminar and that it will help you to reach even more people uh, for the kingdom of God. Maybe God calls you to use the impact concept where you live, in the area you live. You live sorry. Maybe God calls you to start impact in your territory, in your in your country. Um, before we continue uh, this workshop, I just, want to, I just want to have one more word of prayer. I just want to pray that God may, God may show us, that God will make it clear to us uh, what he wants us to do uh, with what we will hear uh, in this seminar. So let, me, let, us, let us pray together one more time. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for how you have led us and what you have taught us. And uh, God, I just pray that you may, you may lead my words uh, this time. Lead me how to say things, what to say, what not to say. And I pray that you may be present here in a special way with your spirit. 
that you may work on our hearts and make it clear to us, God, what you want us individually that is in this room and that also listen to this recording, uh, what you want us to do with what we hear. Thank you that you will make this clear for us, that you hear and will answer this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now I'll talk about what we do a little bit. We do, we organize health expos, and we go door to door with surveys. We also visit old people's homes. Um, we do a little bit different things. Sometimes we sing for them, and we, all, we also have taken them out. Uh, you know, in, in the, it's not so often they can come out, not as often as they would want to do that. And uh, so, yeah, that has been a nice thing. Also, we do evangelistic meetings. Here is from this summer with Daniel Pell. We had, uh, after 2012, uh, seminars. It was really a blessing. Quite some people that came. And uh, we also do, we have a stand we, where we give out books. We do some surveys and we invite people to, to the expo and to the meetings and the different things we are doing. Uh, this is from last year. We had uh, a big four meters tall Daniel II statue that we had beside the stand uh, out in the city. Uh, another thing we did this year, uh, this is uh, uh, the Norwegian Science of the Times magazine, you can say. It's a, a magazine for you know, non-Aventists. And uh, it was really nice. The two last years we have used this tool, uh, we have been able to have a special edition of Students Tala uh, where we have you know, designed what, which articles, which subjects, uh, that we give out. We had uh, 12,000 of this this year that we gave out. And in, in this magazine, it tells about what we are doing. It tells about all the events, you know, the expo, the meetings, everything. We have it gathered in one thing. Instead of having three different flyers, we have one thing we give out where people also can read more. And on the stand this year, we also have a, re a really nice promo video for these um, seminars, these uh, evangelistic meetings, that we showed on a TV screen on the stand, so people that walked by they could stop and you know, see this promo video and get interested in coming to the, to the meetings as well. And on the back side, we had yeah, advertisement for the expo and different things. Very nice tool. Here you have one of the buses. And this bus, this is the prophecy bus, we call it. And the reason for that is that it is full of Bible verses and pictures from prophecies uh, around the bus. Um, and it's nice. We have got several good conversations because of this. People stop and read and, and uh, in the back. Also, you have a Daniel 2 statue and it's advertisement for a Bible correspondence course. And uh, yeah, it's a, people recognize this bus. It's interesting. When we have, we have been, several years we have been in a city with about 10,000 um, people living there. And when we have a health expo, we have a stand, we go door to door, go to old people's home. Some people, you know, they meet us maybe both at the door in the city center. Uh, they see this bus, they see people with the same t-shirts running around, you know, 100 people in a small city. And they wonder, oh, they ask, do you have, is, are you the guys with this bus, you know? And, 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 you know, they recognize you, they see that something is going on in this city, you know. It's making an impact. They are recognizing, wondering, what is this, you know, it makes them curious. Another thing we do is that uh, it's practical work. We have done it a little bit. Here is, we are painting a church uh, in Moirana, uh, helping with that. We have also done, the two last years, a small pathfinder uh, camp. Uh, where we have, yeah, invited young people to be part of that. And we, this year, we did something we haven't done the last, last years. Uh, before Matheson School, before they joined us, they used to have colporter trips in the summer for many years. Uh, here, 
this year we started as people could choose. Those who wanted to focus on colporting, they could do that. Most of the other people, they do all the different things. You know, they rotate between the different mission activities. But we had a group of about 15 people this year that were mainly doing colporting and got a special training for that. And one thing we have done that has worked well, I think, we, when we did surveys uh, last or two years ago, we had, um, after they have done the survey, we tell them, you know, okay, uh, as a thank you for that, you did this survey, you can choose one of these books. And then we have three different books, and we tell them about the books, and uh, then they choose one. And, you know, we found, we got out a lot of books this way, and kind of when they, they have answered, they have done something, they kind of feel that they deserve it a little bit, and they appreciate the book maybe even more if then you would just give it to them. And also what we did was uh, we, have the, we put these stickers inside a book with con contact information to the one that will follow up. We used to have Bible workers or a pastor or some, someone following up um, the, the mission trip, the, the contacts we get during the mission trip. And just on the way down from the mission trip, someone had already contacted uh, the pastor that has got a book, received a book, and she wanted to know more. You know, she wanted to, to learn more about the Bible. So we found this is a good way to, to get from the book to, to a personal contact. Another thing we do is concerts um, in the end of the trip. We organize that. And here is from, we are advertising for the concert in the, in the city center. Group singing a little bit. And, and this is actually from the ferry on the way up uh, to the mission trip last year. Got together a group that started to sing, and actually we got contact information to someone already on the way up that was interested in knowing more about the Bible. Uh, so you get some interesting contacts uh, through these mission trips. Um, in addition to all the mission work, we also have meetings for our own group with inspiration and training for the mission work. And uh, if it's nice weather, we may be outside, like on this picture. And um, yeah, so we have three weeks. You can do a lot through these meetings. You can get a lot of inspiration and training uh, as well as the mission work we do. And uh, also in the evenings, we used, to have, we used to share experiences from the day. And that's one of the highlights uh, of the mission trip. It's really inspi inspiring to hear uh, how God is working and in the lives of people we come in contact with. And uh, sometimes, you know, the young people that come on this trip, they stand in line, you know, to, to, to share what happened during the day. And some of these people, usually they don't dare to stand up in front of people. So it's really nice to see how they, it happens something. They get a, they're really blessed by going out. In addition to, to meetings and testimonies and mission work, we also get some time to get out in nature to get some hikes to, in between these three weeks to, to get refreshed and to have a fellowship together. Here's from a nice mountain in Vesterolen where we're this year. Um, and also sometimes go out and do some grilling or something like that to, to also have a good fellowship uh, in the group. Okay, we will, I will share a couple of uh, experiences to give you a snapshot of what these trips are doing in the lives of people we come in contact with. And then after that, we'll take a break before we continue. The first one, this man, uh, we met last year. And it was in Vesterolen. And this summer, we were also in Vesterolen. It's the first time we have been in the same place two years in a row. And this year, this man, he came uh, to the stand, or to the booth we had out in the, in the, in the city square. And he was asking for these two girls that he met last year. This is from last summer. 
And he was asking for them. He remembered the name, and he was asking. He saw that Impact was here again, so he was wondering, are they here as well? And um, I was able, I talked with him uh, on the Sabbath. He came to, to church on Sabbath uh, when we were up there. And I talked to him, and he told me that he, he, this guy, he was an alcoholic, alcohol, I, sorry, alcoholic, and he didn't have any Christian background. But he became a Christian, he said, last year, after meeting these people. He came to the expo, and he talked with them. They kind of had a Bible study in the, in the city center. And he said he became a Christian as a result of that. Uh, he thought, though, that, that they were Pentecostals, actually. He didn't know that, they were, that we were Adventists. So he, he became a Pentecostal. Uh, but anyway, one step in the right direction. Uh, <laughs> but now he found out we are Adventists, and he seems very open to find out, okay, what is true? Which church should I belong to? So it seems like you have really the right mi mindset. He also said they prayed together when they met each other. He was an alcoholic, and he said two days after they had met him, he stopped to drink. And he, ha he hasn't been an alcoholic since then. He hasn't been drinking since then. So praise God for that. And also he said in this time he didn't have a good relationship with uh, his son, they didn't have contact, they didn't meet together. And, uh, but after he became a Christian, he got good contact again with his son. And so he told me that, you know, I asked him, you know, if, how it was to, he said, he said he became a Christian last summer. So I said, how is it, you know? He said it changed his life in many ways. God changed his life in many ways and it was a change to the better. And he also, it's really nice to see him now. He's, he came to the evangelistic meetings and also for, for church on Sabbath and he joined for the fellowship meal and the, uh, the walk after that. And he said that, or uh, he, he's witnessing to his friends. He tells his friends. So he's, he's, his life has been changed and he is witnessing as well. So it's really nice to see one example of how God is working in the people we meet. Another example is this guy you see here in the back of the concert. Uh, he came to the health expo this summer, the last day, in the very end, before we closed, the last day we had health expo. And it was very interesting. He came to the trust station. I was sitting at the trust station, the last station of the health expo. And uh, he started to ask many questions. Like, it was very interesting. He asked, you know, um, what kind of church do you belong to? Um, what is different from this church and other churches? He seemed very open. He was asking a, a lot of questions. He wanted to find out things. And, and um, he, he came to the concert afterwards, and his wife as well. And they really enjoyed the concert a lot. And he... He was very open. He wanted to find out more. He wanted to find out, you know, about what is true. And he got a really good talk with the pastor as well in the area. They got their contact information. So he, they were going to catch up with each other. And he said also, just, I think it was two weeks before, you know, we met him. Uh, his brother had died. He wasn't so, so, so old. So he had experienced several things in his life. And it seemed like God had been, you know, preparing him. And now he was open. He wanted to found, find out uh, more things and what is true. And so actually what he did, we only met him uh, the last Friday we were up there for the expo and he came to the concert the same night. I think God, by God's providence he lives like 45 minutes outside this, this city. So he's not there so often. But he came there, I think God led him there to the right time. And then actually he invited the whole of our group um, to eat breakfast at his hotel. He owns us a, a hotel. On, on our way down, as we travel down, passing by this place, on our way down to South Norway. <laughs> so he invites the whole group. So that just shows he found something here. He's very open. He wants to find out. He was very thankful for what we did. And he, you know, paid the breakfast for all of us. Um, 
Yeah, one, two, two more experiences shortly before we take a break. Uh, we had an interesting, very interesting day, interesting experience on the trip uh, this year on the way up. This double-decker, uh, you know, we got it before this year. This is the third bus which has been growing every year, so we need more and more space. But we got problem with this one on the way up, and that's why this car is standing here in front of it. And uh, it couldn't start, and we were sitting here waiting for, I don't know, like seven, eight hours, or it took maybe five, six hours before this guy came to, to you know, drag it to the garage. And uh, we didn't know what to do. Imagine we had like 1,000 kilometers more to travel up. Uh, we had a lot of people, you know, how to eat, where to sleep. Like, we didn't know, you know, what to do. Uh, but then it was very interesting, I think, to meet some of these people. I think it came a lot of good things out of it. Uh, you meet people in different ways when you go out and do mission together like this. Uh, this guy this, that drove this truck, um, me and another guy, we went into, we were, had to sit here as we went to the garage. We couldn't sit in the bus. Um, and we got a really good talk with him. We were driving for like 40 minutes. And we had a really good spiritual talk, kind of having a Bible study with him. He asked a lot of questions, very open. And we gave him one of the magazines that we were going to pass out in, in Westerolland. And I think, yeah, if it was just for him, all this thing could have been worth it. And, and also, like, while we were waiting group were really nice, they were really nice fellowships, they were praying together and singing, and, and I'm sure these kind of people, they know, actually, I don't have time to tell all the story, but actually, two buses, three buses, actually, that came to help us, because we found out, okay, we can't use this one. At one point, they said, you have to get another bus to come up, and that's really expensive in Norway, like, we couldn't have afforded that. So we didn't know, you know, what to do, but they tried to send some buses just to help us to get a place to sleep, Overnight, we have been waiting for eight hours. And one bus came, but that one also had to be picked up to the garage with a car like this. And then another bus came, and it started, all the group got into the bus, you know, and it start, started to drive towards the garage where a few of us were. And after, very shortly, it got problem with one of the diesel filters. And a guy, he couldn't drive more than like 30 kilometers an hour, and he said this had only happened two times in 17 years. And another bus came, but that didn't work out either. Like, it was crazy. The guy we talked with, he couldn't believe that this was happening. But at this time, uh, like, when all this group had been waiting so long, we didn't know where to sleep. It started to get dark. We didn't know what to do. Like, still they were singing, you know, re rejoice, praising God. And I, I must imagine, try to imagine how it must have been for these people, the bus drivers and, and these guys that see this group. They know they have been waiting there for so long and they are singing and praising God. And it's like seeing, you know, Paul and Silas singing in the prison, you know. For those who doesn't read the Bible, they got an impression by, by seeing a group like this. Anyway, we get in contact with people in different ways. Here we are waiting outside the bus, outside the garage. We don't know what to do uh, yet. It's like 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock uh, in the evening. Actually, in the end, we had to walk like 5 kilometers to a church to sleep there. And, but praise God, the next day, the bus was fixed, even though they said this doesn't work, you have to get another bus, and we came up. Uh, <laughs> one sh short story more before, before we take a break. Uh, this is from Finnmark, uh, the first impact trip. In the end of the impact, um, the local, what do you call it, uh, commune, uh, what do you say? Municipality. They decided to give us a gift for the work we had done there. So they paid a boat trip worth 20,000 Rydan crowns, in the midnight sun, 
the sun doesn't go down in the winter there. And it was a really nice, you know, boat trip. Uh, nice fellowship with the group there. We were singing. It was perfect weather. A blessing by the end of this trip that I think God gave us. But actually, this trip, it also made an impact. One lady that came there, she was invited by, through kind of, was working at the same place as one of the church members. She joined us for the trip, and you know, this trip really impacted her. She saw this group of young people, and she saw, you know, she heard that she saw them sing, and she saw them having a great time, a spiritual fellowship, and and she heard that none of them are using drugs or drinking. They are healthy people, and and she said after this trip, you know, when I come back to 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 where I live in, she lived in Stockholm in Sweden, I will visit the Adventist church there. So just a thing like this, you know, it made an impact, and actually. Yeah, two other people that they came for the last seminar we had, one seminar and this boat trip. One of them, because of this and because of the conversation, he decided, decided to start to keep the Sabbath. And one of the others, he is like, we didn't hear from him. Uh, it took one year before we heard from him. But then he wrote a mail. He was very interested. He's a truck driver. I met him several times. He, he started to listen to, I gave him a CD of uh, sermons. He started to listen to when he was driving. And... Uh, after, he, all the time he really wanted to have contact through mail and different things through, through phone. And um, then after, after quite some time, I, I told him about the Adventist church in the area he lives. You, you know, you should visit the church there. And when I told that, he was like really happy. But then he said, why didn't you tell me this before? You know, sometimes you think you shouldn't tell it too early. But he, why didn't you tell me this before? And he goes regularly there now. And last time I talked with him, the two last time or something, he has said, you know, how, what do I need to do to become baptized, you know, in the church? And actually, he wanted to be on this conference, but he couldn't because of the work. He was close. He had actually a bed even in the hotel. Anyway, so we see it makes an impact. And sometimes just through that people see a group of young people go out together, a, a, a group of young people they have never seen, just that. Uh, makes an impact both for us as a group that are part of it, but also for people that see it. Okay, so here's what we have left, left to cover after the break. Top seven advices. Then I will talk about the great potential about this concept, why I believe it has a uh, great potential. Then more a little bit practically how to start. And then, yeah, we'll see how much time we have left. Okay, so let's take uh, uh, a 10-minute break. Um, so 10 to... We will try to, to start up again. Let's, uh, let's have a word of prayer before we continue. Father, I ask pray that you may continue to lead us and uh, yeah, speak to us. Help us to learn more and more every day, every year, for how we can work for you and reach out to as many people as possible for your kingdom. That is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, top seven advices. I will share seven things that I think we have found to be very good. Um, and the first thing is um, disciple group concept, the disciple group concept. Every year uh, on the mission trip, we divide our big group, all the people that come on the trip, we divide them up in uh, different disciple groups. So the first year uh, we had uh, the tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel. And uh, last year we had disciple groups. This year we had uh, the tribes that we read about in Revelation chapter 7. 
since our theme was after 2012, we had shows those names. Anyway, what we do, we divide all, all the group in groups on about seven people. And uh, these groups, they do mission work together as we rotate, you know, one day one group to Health Expo, one day one group to door-to-door, -door, one day one group is on the stand or visit an old people home. Uh, so they, they do the mission work together. They are always, you know, the same uh, mission work, the same place for the mission work. And uh, they do kitchen duties together when they have that. And uh, they pray together when we have time for prayer during the trip. And uh, also the, the day they have kitchen duty, they also are responsible for leading out uh, the evening meeting, the testimony meeting in the evening when people come back from mission work and the morning worship the day after. So they, they choose some songs and practice a little bit together. So in this way, uh, yeah, they, they are getting to know each other better and have a, a closer, smaller group which they get to know better. And of course, the group leader is the key person to make this concept work. And here I have a little bit uh, um, of the responsibility to, of the group leader. Um, the practical responsibility of the group leader is that he is responsible for that the group knows what to do at all times. He is responsible to make sure that the, the people, they know what to do. Um, and the group leader in the disciple groups, in the tribes, uh, he's also responsible for, or one of his responsibilities to, is to try to encourage the group you know, to take part in the different activities um, and to take part in the mission work. He's also the contact person of the group. You know, if, if someone in the group have any question or wonders about something, first and foremost, they are supposed to come to him and not to, to me or Jeremy or someone else of the leaders, but that they go to, to, to the group leaders to ask them. And uh, the group leader is also responsible to inform uh, the, the leaders of the impact, if there is something special about a person that is good to know uh, in general. Also, but the most important responsibility of the group leader is on the spiritual and social part, and uh, that is to, to do what, what he can so that the individuals in the group will have a good experience on the trip, uh, and that could be through making sure that the, the persons in the group that they do well socially, that they have a social circle. It, can, it could be to try to get to know the person or you know, sit on the same table for lunch or to, to encourage others maybe that they think could, could be good to take care of this person, to get to know them. So they, especially if people don't know anyone, if there's someone that comes on a trip that don't know the others, it's very good to, that you have someone that thinks about this and try to, to make sure. When you have a big group, you know, it's hard to take care of everyone. So we found it very, very good to, to split up the responsibility and have different people thinking about taking care of the people so that they will enjoy to be there and have a good experience. Um, another thing is to, to work actively to make sure that each one in the group, that their individual meets are met. Um, it could be, you know, yeah, practical things, that they get enough sleep, have a good place to sleep, whatever. They, they try to make sure that they, they have what they need, they, their, their needs are met on the trip. And also to pray especially for the people in the group uh, during the trip, that, you, that they may uh, be blessed by, by being there. And uh, we have found this concept, the disciple group concept, to be a very good concept. And in fact, I think without it, when you are, at least when you are so many people, when you are 80 plus or 90 people or 100 people, it wouldn't really work. It wouldn't work well if you wouldn't uh, do something like this. And... Um, 
one good thing with the disciple group concept, I think, is that it creates a smaller fellowship. When you have a big group, it's nice to also have a smaller fellowship. And uh, I think that is very good. And uh, it's important also to make, for making, to make uh, people to have a good experience on the trip, especially if they don't know so, man so many others that are there. Another good thing with it is that uh, I think it also trains leaders. When we choose you know, leaders of the disciples, disciple groups, it's a good training to train leaders, future leaders that can be involved in you know, leading out the whole impact thing later or things like this. It's an important work that it's also a good uh, reason to have uh, used this concept. But in order for it to work, it's also important to think about the different groups. You know, when you put together the groups, we put together it before the trip, and that we, we try to put together a good mix of you know, the age, not, so it's not a very, only very young people in one group that wouldn't work so well. Uh, and also maybe a little bit experienced, those who have experience with mission work and those who have not. We try to find a good mix in the group and to think about socially how will this work if there are people. Usually we, you know, we know most people maybe that come or at least if not we can read about them in the registration for the trip as well. And so we try to, to it's important to, to put them together well to make it work well as well. Um, the second advice, good thing I, we have found, very good thing, is door-to-door -door work. How many of you have uh, went door-to-door? -door? Or maybe most of you did it on Sabbath, maybe. Do, do you have, how many of your churches, local churches, are going door-to-door? -door? How many of your local churches are going door-to-door? It's not so many, yeah? It's not very common today, yeah? at least in Scandinavia as well. It's not many churches that do it. But we have found this to be a very good uh, thing to do. And especially, it's two very good reasons I just want to mention for, for doing this kind of work, and that we also do it on the mission trips, uh, is that it works. That's a good enough reason. Uh, and the second reason that is also very good, also good enough in itself, is that it is a way that God calls us to work. It's a way God calls us to work. I just want to, to read a couple of quotes on this. It says in Gospel Workers, page 29, From door to door, his servants are to proclaim the message of salvation. To every nation, kindred, tongue, and people, the tidings of pardon through Christ are to be carried. Another quote from Colporto Ministry 24, Oh, that thousands more of our people had a realization of the time in which we are living and of the work to be done in field service, in house-to-house -house labor. There are many, many who know not the truth. They need to hear the call to come to Jesus. One more quote, Evangelism 4.31. Not only is the truth to be presented in public assemblies, house-to-house -house work is to be done. Let this work go forward in the same in the name of the Lord, this house-to-house -house labor, searching for souls, hunting for the lost sheep, is the most essential work that can be done through Christ are to be carried. Um, if you have a Bible, we can read also one verse. Uh, if we go to Acts, the book of Acts, book of Acts chapter 20 and verse 20. You know, we need to have a 2020 vision. We need to see things as God sees it, and this is a a good verse to see a little bit of how God wants us to work and do mission work. Acts chapter 20 and verse 20. Here, Paul, he's talking, he's describing how he has worked. 
he's describing the way he has been reaching out with the gospel. And he says here, uh, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. So Paul, the great apostle, as he describes how he worked, he says that he, he, he worked by preaching publicly, but not only that, he also preached from house to house. I think this can include different things. Uh, it says that he met people you know, every day in the city, you know, talking with them. In different ways, he, he was seeking for people. He was meeting them where they were. And I think one way to do that is to go with surveys or to go around uh, on doors. So it is a way that Paul worked, and it's a way that God also wants us to work. We should also have public meetings. Public meetings are very important. I believe we should have more, more of that than we have today, at least in this part of the world. But even more important than that, even more important than the public meetings, I believe the door-to-door -door work, the house-to-house -house labor, the personal, individual effort is even more important. It includes different types of work, different ty types of things you can do uh, in this work. Uh, but I believe this is even more um, important. I just want to share one experience that I think illustrates this a little bit. Um, this is from, from Hammerfest. Uh, let me see if I can. Um, in the very north of Norway, where we had the first impact trip, 2,000 kilometers away from Oslo. The nor it's called the northernmost town in the world. I was Bible working there two years following up the impact trip we had there. Anyway, when I was there, you know, in the winter, it's no sun, it's completely dark, uh, it's far out in the wilderness. I didn't want to go out there, but yeah, God wanted me to go there. And I first planned to be half a year, but I turned out to be one year and then two years. And I never regretted it. Anyway, when I was up there, um, something interesting happened. And it was a snowmobile, you know, they have snowmobiles there driving around, especially in the Easter times. And it was a snowmobile accident. A group of young people, late teenagers, beginning of the 20s, they, it was really bad weather that it sometimes is up there, or quite often, uh, and uh, they actually froze to death, some of these young people. And it was interesting to see this city, about 10,000 inhabitants, you could really see that this accident, like in a big city, you know, it wouldn't really make a big difference, maybe people wouldn't think so much about it, a couple of people uh, dying, but it really affected people. I could see people that, old people, some of them, that didn't know these people at all, uh, they were really affected by this. And they have, you know, in the city center, they had candles and flowers and pictures, and people went down there and, you know, stood there crying, like in the funeral. It was packed with people. I was really amazed. And actually, in about this time, we were going to have, shortly after this happened, we, were, we had planned to have some evangelistic meetings in the church. And uh, so we thought, okay, we need to maybe change the subject of the meetings, or we need to, since this just happened, we thought, okay, how can we try to help them and encourage these people? So we, we decided to change the subject of the people, uh, of the meetings, and um, we had, a, on the advertisement, we had a picture of, a, of from, the, from the countryside, out of, out of the city there, snowy landscape, nice, beautiful sun, and then it was, it said, in Norwegian or translated, it said, where is God when the tragedy struck. That was the title. Like, in this time, like, exactly what they went through, they went through this 
this tragedy, and like it was a very timely message, you could say. And we advertised quite some for it. But then, when the time came, no one came to the meetings. Uh, only those who went to church, two of them were non Adventists, they came. But, but no one else came to the meetings. But, it, but the thing is this. You know, and sometimes we think, you know, it's hard to get people to meetings today. And sometimes we think, you know, we shouldn't do this. It doesn't work. It's hard to reach out to people. You know, we need to find new methods. But in the same city, I had hundreds of Bible studies. I started with 70, 80 different people. Like, so many people, they would not come to our evangelistic meetings. They would never come. But I could meet them where they were. And I could share God's word with them. And there are so many people like this. I think it works. Evangelistic meetings. This summer we had about 20 in total non-Amnesties that came. Uh, it's, it's not so easy in Scandinavia, but it still works. I think we should do more of it. But, but, but the thing is this. There are many people that we could not have reached through public meetings. That we can reach through personal effort, through door-to-door, -door, through house-to-house labor. Listen to this quote. I just want to share this quote. I think it's really, really interesting. And it's important to... To finish the work, we need to follow the counsels we have been given to be able to, to reach out to the world. How can the great, in Welfare Ministry, page 97, how can the great work of the third annual's message be accomplished? You know, how can we finish the work? How can we reach the world? I want to know the answer. You know. Listen to this. It must be largely accomplished by persevering individual efforts, by visiting the people in their homes. So personal effort, meeting people in their homes, this will be an essential part in reaching the world, in finishing this work. So um, I, think, I think these statements include different types of you know, door-to-door or house-to-house, different type of labors, but I think it also includes going door-to-door -door with service and different things like this, personal effort. You go out there. I think it's great. You know, if we can involve people in public evangelism, in inviting people to come to evangelistic meetings, um, that is great. That is very nice. But if we can involve people going door-to-door, -door, uh, if we can involve people in personal effort to share the gospel and to share the testimony instead of inviting them, you know, people to listen to someone else sharing the gospel, that is even better. If we can involve people in this kind of work, it's even better. Um, but I think it's also it's important how to do it. Uh, it's important that people, you know, we, we see sometimes when people come on the trips, door to door, they are a little bit scared of this work. They haven't done it before. You know, maybe they are shy and they feel, man, I don't want to do this. This is the mission. Of all the mission activities we do, this is the most scary one, people usually think. So it's important to try to encourage them and to inspire them to do it, you know, tell them maybe why we do it and to train them and as much as possible that they can go together with someone that is maybe more confident than them that have done it before and try to think about these things. And, um, but most of the times, if we do that, if you try to do it in a good way, um, they have a good experience. They, they will have a good experience. And... Um, Another thing I think it's, we should, if you have too much door-to-door -to -door work, like if, if it only would be door-to-door -door we did on the mission trips, many people would not come. But if you, if, if you have many different things, they come and then they can learn to like door-to-door. -door. They would not have come if you only had door-to-door. -door. So it's nice, I think, to have a var variety of different mission activities that they can try different things. Anyway, I, I want to share one experience. One guy, he came to the trip. He was scared about door-to-door. -door. He thought, man, he didn't want to do this. Um, but actually, as he did it, he started, to, he started to like it. And, 
I remember in the end of the trip, he stood up, you know, and shared a testimony for the whole group. And he said, you know, when he came there, he was scared about going door to door. He did, you know, he was not looking forward to that. Um, but then he said, but then I started to like it. And then it was like the, the day before he was leaving, or before we were leaving, and he said, so if you don't find me tonight, it's probably because I'm out knocking on doors, he said. <laughs> so yeah, people, they come, even though they may be scared, most of them, it's not so hard, and they get a good experience. And uh, yeah. The next thing I want to talk about is that um, that is the best mission activity I have found to reach out. To publicly to go out and to reach out to people in Scandinavia at least. I think it's a very good way um, to reach out to people, a very effective way. And that is Health Expo. How many of you have ever been part of a Health Expo before? Okay, some of us, not so many. Uh, have you been part of a, you know, a full expo with eight stations? How many of you? Have? Some have been like a smaller one, I know. Okay, Almost, most of you that did. Um, Shortly, to explain what it is, you have eight stations, the eight different health keys. People can come and get a free health check, different tests, you know, and it's, it's a really nice way to, to be, it's easy to involve people to help with health expos. And it's a fun, you know, activity to be part of. And, and the last station is the trust station, where you get a spiritual conversation and try to get uh, the interest, you know, for, for spiritual things after we have helped them with their health. And... Uh, so, yeah, now, why Health Expo? Why health evangelism, you may ask? Uh, I will give you three very good reasons for that. And, uh, yeah, very good reasons. The first one uh, is that it is a way that God calls us to work, this type of work. Uh, Jesus, what did he spend most time on? Preaching or healing? Remember, you know, it's a leading question. He, he spent more time, listen to this, he spent more time, Ministry of Healing, page 20, during his ministry, Jesus devoted more time to healing the sick than to preaching. That was an important part of the work of Jesus. And he's our example. Um, and also when he sent out the disciples, he didn't send them out just to preach the gospel, but also to heal. Also to heal the sick. And in a similar way, he calls us today, not only to preach, but to also help people with their health, with their needs. Listen to this. It is the divine plan that we shall work as the disciple worked. And, you know, if we want to finish the work, if we want to, to reach the world in this generation, we need to follow the pattern. We need to follow the plan God has pointed out for us. I'm very glad and it's encouraging to hear how uh, the leaders of our church, Ted Wilson, in the front, they, they start to dig down and read things that we have been told that we should have done 100 years ago. You know, with cities, mission to the cities and different things. Uh, which God has shown that we need to do to reach the world. Anyway, listen to this. It is the divine plan that we shall work as the disciple worked. Physical healing is bound up with the gospel commission. In the work of the gospel, teaching and healing are never to be separated. So we should do both of the things. As the disciple worked, we should also work. But it's important, you know, we shouldn't only do health. Sometimes we help people with health, but it stops there. We need to also take the next step to take it from the health to the spiritual part. So therefore, in a health expo, the last station, the trust station, is very important that that one works well, that you have a good plan for getting the next step and not only help them with their health. It should never be separated. We should always have both of it uh, connected. Uh, so, yeah. Um, why health evangelism? Another very good reason 
is that it works. It works as well. Works really well. I want to share two examples of this. Uh, this is from Moirana. We had impact for uh, two years ago. And I don't know, I'm sure some of you have experienced, you know, some places, some areas, it's harder to work than others. You just feel it sometimes, you know, when you come to this city or this place and you feel, man, this is a hard place. This is a hard place to work. And, and with this city, we could feel that. You know, I think it's the hardest place we have worked the, the last years. And when we came there, before the trip started, just to plan, we're going, going to try to find a place to organize a health expo. We went to the city center leader. And when she heard that we were Christians, no, no question, we couldn't have a health expo there. No chance. It has, like, usually, most people are very positive. It's not hard to get, you know, to be allowed to do it, actually. But, but no question. It was really hard for us to, to even find a place to have a health expo. It took a long time, but finally we found a place. We were able to have it. Um, also, not only we thought that this was a hard place to work, uh, others experienced it as well. We talked with a priest when we were there, and he said he had lived there for half a year, this was, and that was the worst time of his life. You know, it could go a week before he only had one, without having one, or before he had one good conversation. A whole week. And uh, some people living there, you know, they said that it was like a evil spirit resting over this spirit and uh, over this city. And like, it was a hard place, a hard place. But anyway, we, had a, we organized a health expo in this city. And then it happened something very interesting. Uh, the Bible workers that followed up this impact, um, they decided to try to, you know, to, to reach out to these people. Uh, they, they wanted to try to good, do good, to help people with their needs. So what they did, they decided to go around and ask people if they could help them with, uh, you know, shoveling snow out of the roofs. Sometimes if you get a lot of snow, you know, you should get it out. It's not good to have it on the roofs. And so they asked if they could help with that and also, you know, to get sand on the, on the ice outside the house so people wouldn't slip and fall. And so they went around. And one, one of these guys, his name is Daniel, he's working as a Bible worker there. He, he, he got, it was like God laid on his heart to go to a specific house to help them with this. So he went there, and, but, but the owner of this house was very skeptical. And she was just about to close the door. She didn't want any help. But then he got the impression uh, to say something about the health expo we had had in the summer. So he did. And actually, she had been on the health expo a couple of months before. And she was very positive. She really liked it. So, so he said, yeah, she, she would love to get some help with, the, you know, with this. She had just been about to close the door, but when she heard about this, she said, yeah, she would love to get some help. And so they helped her. And after they have you know, done this, you know, shoveling the snow out of the roof uh, and helping out with this, they were invited in. And she told them, you must be sent from heaven, she said. And, and, and then before they left, she almost said with, you know, kind of commanding them, and she said, you have to come back. Uh, and you have to, you know, greet all Adventists. So I greet you today. You have to greet all Adventists, she says. And, uh, and uh, the second time they came there, they got really good conversation. And she, she said again, you have to come back. And next time, you have to bring your pastor. So we could really see, you know, this type of work, it is breaking down prejudices. In, even in this hard city. And you, you, we can see that it makes people, sh people see that we care. And it makes people more open also to hear what we believe when we first help them with their needs. You know, not everybody knows that they should get help with spiritual things, but they know their physical needs 
if you help them with that first, they are more open. And I clearly see that I used to sit most of the times on the last station, the trust station. It's a really interesting station to be there. You, you know, one of the other sessions you test the pulse, you know, but here you test the spiritual pulse. And uh, you, you challenge them to, to get to know God better. And, and, uh, and there, all the time, you know, we have a short evaluation there, and we see what people write about the expo, and so many times they are so positive. They really say, you know, it's so friendly people, so nice people. They wonder why we do this for free. Very, very positive. And it's easy to get a good spiritual conversation with people that I went through there. And all the time we get many good conversations. We get a lot, lot of books out, uh, many Bible study contacts. This year uh, in Norway we got 27 Bible study contacts. Last year in Sweden in just four days, I think it was, we got 25 Bible study contacts. Really good way to, to, to meet people that if they wouldn't have got help with, the, with their health first, they would not have been interested uh, in this. One more example of how it works. Um, this is from Arvika in Sweden, where Matheson Mission School, uh, we had a health expo there uh, this fall. And we had it just for three days, and we also had uh, some evangelistic meetings in connection with this. So those who came there, we invited them for the meetings in the evening. And uh, after this, three, three of the people that came there also came to the meetings. Uh, since many months back now, since half a year approximately, some of them even more, they have come regularly to the Adventist church in the area. And we met them through the health expo, they come regularly, they are active in the church, they come to prayer meetings. One of them, he has said uh, one month, two months ago, that he wants to be baptized, another one of them really considered it. Really, we could really see this three days of health expo, really got good contacts and people come in. Uh, so yeah, it works. It's a very good way. I found um, to reach out to people in this part of the world. The last reason I want to share about uh, this kind of work is that it is a, actually, an, it's not only a way God calls us to work, but it is an essential part of our work. Listen to this, very interesting quote. It's from Ministry of Healing, page 140. Here it says, medical missionary work is the pioneer work of the gospel. In almost every community, there are large numbers who do not listen to the preaching of God's word or attend any religious service. Uh, do we have people like this? That don't want to you know, listen to the word of God or to come to any religious meetings? Do we have people like this in Europe? For sure, a lot of them. In Scandinavia, we have a lot of them. Okay, if they are reached by the gospel, it must be carried to their homes. Often the relief of their physical needs is the only avenue by which they can be approached. So, we are told by the spirit of prophecy, and it, it's not hard to believe that, that many people, we need to help them with their physical needs first in order to reach them with the gospel. We need to, to use the approach of health. To many people we would not have reached if we did not use this entrance. So it's not only a way God calls us to work, but it's an essential part of our work. Much could be said on this. Um, but I think especially... It's an important work, it's a crucial work, especially in this part of the world, in secular Europe. This work is very important. I just want to share really quickly some more reasons. I read a book um, by Ellen White called A Call to Medical Evangelism and Health Education. If you haven't read it, very interesting book. Uh, it's a compilation, but it says some of these quotes from here. Uh, we, are, we are told by the Spirit of Prophecy, this is the only way by which we can reach some people, as we just read. We're also told that medical missionary work should be done in every city. 
uh, it should be done in every church. In uh, what ministers and Bible workers should do this kind of work, actually, every member. We have come to a time, she writes, that every member should be involved in this type of work. Uh, and it will come a time, we have also been told, that this will be the only form of mission work that can be done, that will be done. So it's an important work. And um, yeah, that I think we need to revive. And it's really interesting. I'm really glad to hear. Uh, the next annual council, the general conference we'll have with Ted Wilson and these guys, they will focus on medical missionary work. They, I'm really encouraged to see that we have leaders that they see that what we have been told to do, and they want to go in this direction with revival and reformation, with citizenship missions, with health evangelism, medical missionary work. I believe we have much. So I, when I read this, many of these things, I thought, man, I was working as a Bible worker. And I read, you know, Bible workers should know these kind of things. They should be able to help people with this kind of thing. And I thought, I don't really know this. So, so I decided to, I started up with, um, you have this um, online course, medical missionary work online course from Wildwood. Very good. I started up on this. You can take it online in your own pace, you know, when you want. Uh, so I started up this, this spring uh, to do that. You can actually, I saw it is a discount up here uh, during this conference for those who apply here. Very good. Anyway, um, let's continue on. Um, the, yeah, before we go to the fourth one, why Health Expo? I think it's many good reasons, uh, but two main reasons for doing this on a mission trip is that it works, it's a very good way to come in contact with people, but another reason that I think is very good is that by doing this on a mission trip, on an impact, it will help the participants, you know, to get a taste of and to understand the importance of health evangelism that is an essential part of our work. So uh, by having this, by including this in a mission trip, you, more people will see that actually, yeah, this is something we can do. Maybe we can do it in our church. You know, it will be a way to spread this and to, you know, to, to make people see and catch the fire for, for doing this type of thing. Um, the fourth advice or thing I want to, to share, um, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't have put it in here. It's not the most important. It's maybe the least important of all the seven things I will share. But still, uh, it's a quite simple thing. But still, I think it's very helpful. Sometimes, you know, small things can make a big difference. And this is a thing that we use, and that is, um, yeah, I will skip this quote, uh, Dropbox. I don't know if you, how many of you know about Dropbox? Oh, some, quite many of you. It's a way um, that we use in the planning. It's, it's uh, through internet, you, you can download it for free. And you have a program where you can share different folders with people. You know, you can invite people to a folder. And there you can, sh you can share documents, you can share files, you can share. And we have found it, you know, so we have for the ex ex uh, executive committee for impact, we have a folder where we share board minutes, agendas, and things, programs and things we're working on. And it's very good if you're working with on something. You know, you can work and if you change something in a document next time or upload it in, in your Dropbox folder, next time you come to internet, they get it to their computer. You know, and it's really effective, it's really nice. It's a simple thing. But we have found it to be, to be very good. And, um, you know, it's just an organizational thing. But sometimes, you know, organizations and organizational things can be an obstacle, a hindrance, an obstruction. But when organization works well, it can be a great help to, to further God's kingdom or God, further the work, to work more efficiently. And, uh, you know, God is a God of order. And we should also have order and be well organized. And when we do, we can do a lot more uh, for God. So it's a simple thing, but it has been a great help. And it has helped us to work more efficiently. Okay, the next 
thing, the fifth thing of seven I want to share, uh, advice, is a crucial one. And uh, if we should have you know, put them in order, the most important first, it should have been number one. This is the key uh, to everything else. This is the key to uh, the greatest victories. It says in Gospel Workers, the greatest victories gained, page 259, the greatest victories gained for the cause of God are not the result of labored argument, ample facilities, wide influence, or abundance of means. They are gained where? The greatest king victories are gained where? What does the quote say? Where are they gained? They are gained in the audience chamber with God. When with earnest, agonizing faith, men lay hold upon the mighty arm of power. The greatest victories in, for the kingdom of God are gained in prayer. So this is a crucial step. This is a crucial step. It's much could be said on this as well. Um, we have been told... Uh, by Inspiration Testimonies 1, page 642. It is the order of God that those who bear responsibilities, they should often meet together to counsel with one another and pray earnestly for that wisdom which he alone can impart. Unitedly make known your troubles to God. Talkless, mass precious time is lost in talk. Let brethren unite in fasting and prayer for the wisdom that God has promised to supply. So God has told us, when you have responsibilities, when you have planning groups, when you have, you know, boards, and we, they should often meet together and seek God in prayer. God has the wisdom. He knows. He knows what we should do. He sees things from a much greater perspective in us. Also, we have been told that, I don't have this quote here, okay. Um, uh, it's, she also writes that, through much labor, much prayer, Evangelism 3.41, through much prayer, you much must labor for souls. For this is the only method by which you can reach hearts. Much prayer. Uh, so this, this is a, a key. So as for impact, um, we, try to, we try to follow these counsels. And uh, actually, before I say a little bit more about this, I want to share one more thing. So have you ever thought about why Jesus says, if two of you agree to pray about something, it shall be done by the Father in heaven. And he says, we're two or three are gathered in my name. I'm in the, in the midst of you. And what two of you shall agree on earth regarding anything to ask, it shall be done. Have you ever thought about why he says that? Man, why, doesn't God you know, answer if, if I pray personally? Doesn't God hear that? Doesn't he answer that? For sure he does. But, but Jesus is not doing a mistake here. It's not like he, he, he should have said one, but he, he said two. He didn't do a mistake. He knows what he's talking about. The thing is this, very interesting. We can expect a greater power as an answer to united prayers than personal prayers. And you might write that clearly when she talks about this verse. We can expect a greater power. That's why he says that. It's not a coincidence why he says what to agree on. It's not a coincidence that it was when 120 people were united that the Holy Spirit were pulled out. God wants us to unite. God wants us to together seek him. God wants us to together work for him. And um, so, yeah, and, you know, we can, we can ask why. Why has God done, done so? You know, sometimes we don't understand all reasons for why God is doing things. In general, you know, why, pray, how prayer works is kind of a mystery, you know. Um, but, but it works. It works. Uh, this is a way God wants us to, to pray. We need to pray personally as well. It's also important. But God wants us to unite in prayer. And, um, yeah, I will not take time to, to share 
examples of this, but it's many examples of how you see when unite and pray that God is, is moving in even greater ways. And we try to follow these counsels of prayer, about prayer, uh, in impact, when we plan for impact. We have it, we follow it by having a strong focus on prayer in our board meetings during the planning process. Um, also, we take time every day during the trip. We have time in the program for prayer. 20 minutes in the program we used to pray in the disciple groups. So we take time for prayer before we go out doing mission work. Uh, also, before the trips, we encourage people to pray especially, you know, um, you know to prepare for, for the mission work or for the mission, in, before the mission trip starts. This year we had encouraged them to be part of seven days of prayer, seven minutes every day. Yes, to have, uh, yeah, that's a project we had this year. Um, okay, over to the sixth one. Um, it's also a very important thing. And this is also a key. It's a key to success as well. But this key, I think, it's a little bit more less known, maybe. Maybe a little bit more, yeah, more unknown, I think, than prayer. But that is to have a definite aim. Have a definite aim. It says, I don't have the quote up here, but it says in Education 262, success in any line, Ellen White writes, demands a definite aim. Success demands a definite aim. So these are very wise words. To have a definite aim, it's a very wise thing. And it goes for any line. Uh, if we want to be successful in learning a language or in doing exercise or whatever it is, a definite aim is necessary, it's important, it will make a big difference. To have a definite aim, to have a goal for what you are doing. Uh, it can be helpful in so many areas uh, of our lives. The next and last point before we go into a little bit more how to start an impact project, uh, this point, this advice goes hand in hand with this one, and that is uh, impact home, uh, impact home concept. That's the one concept we started last year. Um, and basically, the thing is this, one of our goals, one of our definite aims as impact for what we are doing, that is to inspire the participants on the trips, on the mission trips, to be more actively involved in evangelism during the year. That is one of our definite aims, that is one of our goals. And we have it in our bylaws. And the purpose of this concept is to help to achieve this goal to help to inspire people to make an impact in their homes, you know, in their areas where they live during the year, not only during the summer, or during the mission trip, but during the year. And we have mainly three things that helps to achieve this. In the end of the trip every year, we used to have an impact home meeting. And that is to say, uh, we have a meeting where uh, we, we have different people sharing different experiences of mission work that they have done during the year to give people ideas of what you can do and to inspire others to do things as well in their areas, in their churches during the year. Uh, and also, after we have done that, we also used to, to split up in groups from where we come from, you know, those who come from Oslo or the west of Norway or the north of Norway. We split up in groups and then we take time to talk together. You know, what can we do? You know, they have been inspired, they have been on the trip, they have heard inspiring messages, they have done winter work, and then we take time to sit down together and plan, what can we do the following year? So this is one thing we used to do in the end of every, every trip, to, to try, try to, you know, encourage people to be active uh, during the year. Uh, okay, another thing uh, we do to, part of this concept is we have a Facebook group. 
where people can share you know, experiences, they can write what they're doing, uh, and that's also to inspire others, and also that we can unite in prayer for the different mission efforts, for the different things uh, that is happening during the, the year as well. Um, another thing we do in this concept is that we try to come up with specific projects that we do together, you know, that's together, that's a central thing for, for impact, inspiring members to proclaim the advent of Christ together. And um, so this year we had two projects that we, you know, launched to try to encourage people to be active during the year, to, to, to help, help, it, um, help people to actually do something during the year. The first one, one of them was the Great Controversy Project that the General Conference has. We told about this, we tried to inspire you know, the, the participants to be part of this and try to see you know, how much we together during the coming year can give out of the Great Controversies to people we know, to friends, to families. So we tried to you know, inspire them to, to together do this. Another thing is, um, is inspired by GYC. I don't know if you ever heard about this, but they have, I know they have some plans to try to cover all, you know, the states door-to-door -door in, uh, what is it, five years or something. I don't, I don't remember the details of the project. It's still in the, in the planning process, I think. But they have a big aim, a big goal that they want to do together, you know, inspire the whole GYC group, thousands of people that come there, to do something big during, and make a plan for how to do it. And I thought, man, that is really cool. We should do something like that for impact, I thought, as well. So we started this this year, I think, hope. Hopefully we can do something even bigger in the future, but then we can try and see how it works. And that is a project that we will try to visit all churches in East Norway. Most of the churches are there, and it's really far to go up to North Norway and small churches. And yeah, anyway, all churches in East Norway uh, during the coming year that impact participants can go and they can preach and they can tell mission experience from impact. They can help with the music. So we'll try to, together, you know, we have this goal, we'll try to go around, and also people can, you know, through that, hear about impact and maybe apply for the trips and things like this. And then I think, if this works, we can do maybe all Norway next year. And I think, when you do things like this, it has a lot of potential. Together, you know, if we are a big group of young people, we can do a lot. So if we go together and we say, okay, we want to do something, and also if we have a definite aim, okay, we want to do this together, Man, it has a lot of potential, and it, can, it will also inspire people to do things. If they say, man, here's someone, they have a plan. They, this would be cool, actually, you know, to do something big. And young people often like to do something big. So, so I think many things like this, it's a lot of potential of things uh, that can be done. Okay, so that was the seven last advice I wanted to bring up. Um, the next thing I want to talk about uh, before we come to... Um, how to start. Uh, that is the great potential uh, of the impact concept. Uh, I believe it has a great potential, as I've mentioned already. Um, why? I, one reason for that is we clearly see that outreach is in reach. When we go out, when we work and try to evangelize and you know, do mission work, we really see that, yes, we are reaching out to people, we are making an impact in the areas we go to, but maybe, more maybe even more importantly, we are making an impact and changing the direction of young people's lives uh, for, for eternity. One example of that is, is Rebecca, that is on the picture here. One of the 14 uh, people that were on the trip last year that decided to be baptized. Uh, so praise God for that. So we clearly see that 
it makes a difference for the participants. Um, I don't know, you know, it's interesting. James, it's, he writes in his book that faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. And on the other side, I think we can say, if you turn it around, that when you are active, your faith will become alive. It will become more living when you do something, when you work for God. And that's my, my experience. You know, I, I raised in the church, I've always been in the church, but I have not really done mission work. But the last years when I started to get involved in mission work, I really seen, you know, it has completely given me a new religious experience. God has, you know, you see God work in a special way. You, it makes much more sense to pray, you know. You, see, you have reasons to pray, you see how God is working. And it, it gives you a completely different experience. And I, I heard someone say one time, an old um, man, a wise man, an old Adventist, he said, he said the following in a Sabbath school, he said, you know, when you sit, um, you don't need the Holy Spirit, he said, when you sit in your nice chair, you know, in front of the television. You don't need the Holy Spirit. It's when you go out, you know, and work for God. That's when you need the Holy Spirit. And I think it's, it's wise saying what he said there. It's when we go out, when we work for God, that's when we need him to be active in our lives. That's when we need the Holy Spirit. That's when we need the power of prayer in a special way. So what we see on the trips is that when these people come, many of them, they have never been involved in evangelism. They have been in churches that maybe do nothing. I was raised in, a, in one of the biggest churches in Sweden, and I can't remember any evangelism that was done in this church except Pathfinder and Adra. That's like the only activities. I don't remember any, anything else. And I was there for... I don't know, 15, 16 years. One of the biggest churches in Sweden. Many of these people that come to this trip, they have never been involved in this type of things. So when they come here, in this fellowship, with this group, with this goal, and they go out, they do mission work, they see how God is working, they see how God is answering prayers, they get a completely different religious experience. And this is really impacting them. This is really making a difference. So by involving people in evangelism, that is a, a really a thing with a lot of potential. Um, and, you know, sometimes we think in our churches today that we need to, you know, to reach the young people. Many young people leave the churches, right? Uh, we think sometimes that we need, to, we need to entertain them. You know, we need to give them excitement and all these kind of things. And we try to come up with different things to, to entertain them. And, but the thing is this. If we are going to, to compete with the world when it comes to uh, excitement and, and, you know, fun. You know, most of the times the world has even more exciting things that sounds, seems even more exciting for, for, for the young people. Um, but the thing is this, we shouldn't compete with them on, on those areas, but the thing is this, when it comes to meaning, when it comes to purpose and peace and true happiness, you know, what we have is much more than what the world has to offer. This is what we need to give the young people. This is what, when they get this, when they see this, uh, we experience this on our trips, they really, it really changes them. It changes their direction of life. They say, man, this is something more than excitement and, and fun and, than the world has to offer. So I think by involving them, it has a lot of potential. Another reason for, I think, why this concept is, is, um, has a lot of potential is that um, it's a lot of things that can be done uh, with this concept. It's a lot of things that can be done. We, have started with, we started with mission trips, and that has been the main, in the summer, and that has been the main things that we have done. But last year, we also started with impact weekends, you know, to help churches, local churches. You know, if someone wants to do evangelism in the church, we, we get together a big group, and we help, you know, 
to, to invite people for this and also have inspiring me meetings. And uh, now in December, we start Impact Scandinavia, a conference more like this type of conference to inspire and to, to network and to, to, to yeah, be trained as well. And um, also the Impact Home concept is many concepts. We have just come with more and more things, more. I have other ideas as well. Uh, one thing I thought about to do it would, you could start up an Impact Living team. You know, you could have a, a, a long term effort in a city where you have a team of Bible workers working together. It's many, many things I think you can do. And um, I don't think it doesn't have to be, you know, exactly like this. It doesn't have to call it impact, you know, to do something like this. But I think, uh, personally, I, I like the name impact. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a great name. And also one thing I think it's nice, it has a nice acronym. And it's just, you know, fits with what we do. And it's like, it makes it even more powerful. And also like, you know, impact, impact Norway, you know, impact when it's, it's something big. And that's what we want to do. God calls us to do great things, right? And I think young people, uh, they like to be part of something big. So I think it's, it's appealing to people, you know, this is something big, yeah, man. It's, it's, it's cool to be part of something big. And also, um, uh, I think you can use this name in many different ways, you know, impact, you can use it together with everything, impact home, impact this, impact that, you know. It's, it's a name that can be used in many different ways and still you see the connection. It's the same thing, it's the same, it's connected and it creates an identity. So, so I think that is some nice things with, with uh, this uh, name and this, yeah, to call it like that. Now, why in the world are we still here today? Right, we know that the gospel needs to go to all the world. It will go to all the world before Jesus will come back. But Spirit of Prophecy tells us this could have happened. It could have happened shortly after 1844. The gospel could have went to the world and Jesus could have come back. Spirit of Prophecy tells us it could have happened shortly after 1898. Jesus could have come back. So why in the world are we still here today, 124 years afterwards? How in the world will this ever, or this, is this ever going to happen? Um, we have been told that with such an army of workers as our youth, rightly trained, Education 271, might find is how soon the message of a crucified, risen, and soon coming Savior might be carried to the whole world, how soon might the end come, the end of suffering and sorrow and sin. So we have been told that this can happen in a short time when God is able to raise up an army of young people, rightly trained. This is the key to, to raise up an army like this. This is the key to finish the work. I want, I want you to come with me to the book of Acts. Yeah, maybe you are there still. Book of Acts chapter 19. Fascinating verse. Inter very interesting verse. That also tells us an crucial part in, I believe, finishing the work and reaching out to the whole world. Acts chapter 19, and we'll read verse 9 and verse 10. Here it says, But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples' reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. And this is powerful. It talks about Paul, and he says that he were daily reasoning and talking and, you know, in the school of Tyrannus. Paul had a mission school. He had a school. 
where he was teaching and, 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 and sharing the word of God. And as a, as a result of this school, in verse 10, we read, after two years, or this continued for two years, and then eventually, the work that was done on this school, it led to that all Asia heard the gospel. They were reached by the gospel. It's amazing. Uh, this school, Asia, probably you know, not as big as we know it today, but still it's a big area. It was reached as a result of this uh, training school, of this mission school. And in a similar way, so it played an important role in reaching the world in the time of Paul. And in a similar way, I believe that mission schools and mission training will play an important role in raising up this army of young people that will finish the work in a, quickly. It will finish the work quickly. And I believe, and I will come to this now, I believe the impact concept also can play an important role in raising up this army of young people that can finish the work uh, quickly. Uh, and uh, yeah, this is, by the way, I believe, before I say something else very shortly, I believe God is about to do this. You know, this conference, GYC, you know, the movement that started in the States and also now coming here, this is one, I think, example of how God is about to raise up this army that quickly can finish the work. And you see so many other things. You have youth in mission also starting a few years ago. You have AYC in Australia. You have so many things. I've done a really interesting research also on mission schools. I, I wanted to find out, okay, all these mission schools we have today, when did they start actually? And I found out almost all of them, a lot of mission schools, I'm not finished with the research yet, but like the last 10, 15 years, like so many mission schools in all the world have started up. And imagine how many people will be trained in just a short time. It's like God is doing something. It's things that has not happened uh, for, for a long, long time. It's, something is about to happen. I think God is about to raising up this army of young people. Impact movement uh, and similar things we hear about around the world. I think is other examples of this. Anyway, um, look at this. Here is the logo uh, that I think can illustrate four colors, four parts of our work. And... Here, I think it can illustrate four parts, four steps in why impact, the impact movement, the impact concept can play an important role in uh, raising up this army of young people. The first step here in the left is um, conferences. Um, you know, it's great with conferences where people can be inspired, they can hear the gospel preached in a powerful way, they can be called to take decisions for Christ. But if it stops there, much of what could have been done is lost. It's an important step, but it should not stop there. The next step, the second step, um, is mission trips. Mission trips, and that has been mainly what we have been doing. And, but now what we want to do, we, we started here, you can say, but now what we want to do, we want to start a conference. We want to start Impact Scandinavia. We want to start up step one as well. And um, we are very excited about that. And uh, on this conference, we want to, one of the things we want to achieve through this is to inspire people to come to mission trips in the summer. Um, but through all these two steps, we, want, we hope to lead them to step three and to step four, which is mission training, and then after that, a life of committed and effective service. 
That's what we want to hope to lead them from conferences to mission trips, you know, and from mission trips to, to get want to get more mission training, and then a life of committed and effective service. And step three here is crucial, as I already said a little bit about. Rightly train, a lot of young people rightly train. We have also been told, it says in evangelism, that a worker that is trained and educated can accomplish far more than 10 laborers. How we do things, how it works, it makes a big difference. So training is very important. Um, I believe what type of training you need, it can be different for different persons, different situations. Um, but we need training. You know, not, some, for some, it is to go and study theology. We should have some people that know Hebrew and Greek and know you know, the depth of it. But for most people, you know, and it's in, if we want to finish the work, we need to have the church membership rally to the work together with the pastors, together with the church offices. We need to have the members as well. And for most of these people, for the majority, uh, it's not studying theology, three things, learning Hebrew and Greek, but it's a shorter mission training. So when we see this kind of mission schools popping up everywhere, it's an evidence that God is about to, to lead church membership to rally to the work and to get the training necessary to be involved in not only committed, but also effective service, because we can do much more um, when we are trained uh, and taught by people with experience. So I think if we can have, imagine if we can have all these steps, if we can have conferences, if we can have mission trips, mission training, and, and, and we have these things connected, strongly connected, with a definite aim that people from conferences uh, will be encouraged to come to mission trips and from there try to encourage people to get more mission training and to live a life of service. If we can have these steps connected with this definite aim in mind to raise up an army of young people, man, a lot of things can happen. It has a great potential. Uh, you know, the thing is this. It's quite hard to get someone from step zero, from you know, not being active at all, being in church, to suddenly live a life of committed and effective service. You know, that usually doesn't happen that way. Or to go to a mission school. It's not usually that... Uh, first step they want to do. But it's not so hard to get someone to come to a conference. And if they come to a conference, it's not so hard. It's not so far step to go to a mission trip. And if they come to a mission trip, it's not so hard to go to get more mission training and to then live a life of service. So I think when you have all of these activities, maybe some, some countries, they, I know they have conferences maybe, uh, but not so much mission trips. But then they can get to the next step and also get that. We started here, but now we want to get step one as well, to get even more people coming through this. And, and you know, uh, So I think it has so much potential to raise up an army of young people in our countries, in our territories. Uh, and if we do this, man, uh, our territories, our nations, our countries will never be the same again, and God will do great things uh, where we live. So I'm excited about this. Uh, man, Time is running. We need to come to the end here soon. Uh, how to start? Um, we need to come to this part. How to start? That's the, it's the last part, I think. Yes, it's the last part before we end. The first thing that you need to do, you need to realize that you can, by God's grace, you can. The thing is this. God does not always call the qualified, but he always qualified, qualifies the called. 
God does not always call the qualified, but he always qualifies the call. Uh, and, you know, I myself is a, is a testimony of that. Uh, many things I have done the last couple of years I would never have imagined myself doing. You know, recently I, I recorded a series of programs for Lifestyle TV. Uh, I'm traveling around more and more around in Europe preaching the gospel. I've been the leader of Impact Norway and Impact Scandinavia. The last years, many of these things I've never, I would never have imagined myself doing. Uh, you know, when I first started to preach in 2007, about the time we also started up uh, what led to this impact movement, I was 17 years old. And um, uh, when I first started to preach, when a, fr a friend of my family, when she heard that I was going to preach in church, you know what she said? She said, and the stones will cry out <laughs> for her that I would preach. That was as probable. She couldn't believe it, you know. Like, I've always been a bit shy, you know, timid person. And I hated in school, you know, the presentations in front of the class. I would much rather have a big test. I would never imagine many of these things I've done the last years that I've done it. But, you know, God's ways is higher than our ways. We don't know. Uh, and it's not so about, it's not so much about, the thing is, it's not so much about ability, but rather availability. And um, when it comes to leading as well, you know, I've been part of starting up this impact. I've been a leader the last three years now. And before I was involved in this, I didn't really have any experience in, in leadership. I've never been part of any committees or anything like this. Like almost all the committees I've been part of is committees I myself have been leading. I don't really know how to do this. And you know, several times I've been thinking to myself, man, I shouldn't be doing this. Someone else should be doing this. I don't know how to do this. You know, I don't, I'm, I don't have the, I'm not competent to do this. And, but, but the thing is this, God does not always call the qualified. He always qualifies the called. It's not so much about ability, but rather about availability. It says in the Sarah Verse 250 that there is no limit to the usefulness of one who by putting self aside makes room for the workings of the Holy Spirit upon his heart. There is no limit. And it says also right before this uh, that the, the lives of these men, talking about the disciples, talking about the apostles, the life of these men, the characters they developed, the mighty work that God brought through them are a testimony to what God will do for all who are teachable and obedient. So the first step to realize is that you can. With God's help, you can. And, okay, maybe you think, maybe God can use me. Maybe I could be part about, doing, about starting up something like this where I live. Uh, but I don't know who to do it together with. You know, I need to have other people as well. I can't do everything. And that's true. Yeah, we can't do everything. We need, we need a team. But the thing is this. God will lead people. He will show people that can be involved in things like this. I want to share uh, one inspiring story. Maybe I've heard about it. They have a boot up here. Uh, the Three Annuals Missionary Group uh, in Poland. They, it was a lady called Valentina. I don't know how to pronounce this, but anyway. She came from Ukraine. She had... God has used her in a mighty way as you know, starting up churches and different things in Ukraine. But then when she was about her, in her 50s, uh, for a couple of years ago, God called her to Poland. You know, and she didn't know anyone there. She didn't know the language. But she was praying that God would show her you know, people to work with. And uh, on one conference, um, 
I think it was called actually, uh, give me a vision. Uh, it was something like that. Uh, God led 12 different people, independent from each other, to approach her, and they got in touch. And this was forming a team that started a mighty movement in Poland. And uh, like amazing, 12 different people, they led, God led them together. God led the team together, and they started to do a mighty work in 2007, actually the same time as Impact. About the same time, God is doing things all over the world in the same time, very interesting. Uh, and listen to this, it's, it's amazing. God has really blessed their ministry. Within five years, from 2007 to 2011, this group conducted 65 summer mission camps. They do different types, they do for families and children, many different types of, of events. Many weekend programs in churches all over Poland, three nationwide mission congresses, the mission training center was established, and since 2010, independent missionaries have been trained, ready to work in the churches on, on new areas. About 600 people from all over Poland have already taken the opportunity to be trained, gained experience in serving God, and found personal revival. In 2011, for the first time, they went out of Poland. Man, it's amazing. It's a powerful thing. And imagine, she was about in her 50s. She didn't know anyone. She didn't know the language. But God wanted to do something, and he led the people together. And the same with us. If God, if we pray, if we see God... If we seek God in prayer, he will raise up laborers. He will show us who to cooperate with, who to work together with, to do, to accomplish the work that he wants us to accomplish. So, yeah, you can. You can with God's help. Uh, the second thing, the last thing I want to talk about here uh, before we wrap this up, how to start. I think, generally, to start is... Small, simple, and soon. Small, simple, and soon. That's usually uh, how things start up and a good way to start. You know, to think to start an impact trip, you know, probably the best way to start is not to have a three-week trip. Not to have so many different activities that we have on our trips. Not to have, you know, a so long bus trip somewhere and it costs a lot, you know, it's not hard to get the budget for that. And, and, and to, probably it will not be maybe 110 people the first time. But usually start small, simple, but also soon. Not wait, okay, maybe in five years from now I will start. Think about it already. Can, could this be possible? Could maybe we do something? Don't need to postpone it. If not, usually when we do that, it never happens. Um, small, simple, and soon. That's how we started. We started one week, 20 young people. That was the beginning. Uh, Impact Sweden that started last year, they started with about 10 days, uh, with about 30 young people. It started you know, smaller than us. Impact Latvia as well, about, I think it's 10 days as well. They start now in August. Um, also this group in Poland, that, these crazy things that have happened the last years, it started the first summer, they had a, um, a one-week trip. Not so many people, and those people who came, they had no clue. They went door to door, but they, have never, they didn't know how to do it. They didn't know anything. They had to be told everything by this lady that knew about mission work. Uh, so small, simple, and soon. And things can grow, and things can develop. You can do more things after a while. But it's not so hard to start something small. And when you have it, it's not so hard to expand it and to make it grow. So that's, I think, a good advice. I want to tell one more story. Sorry, I'm going a little bit over time to close up. Uh, where I get uh, to, to wrap this thing up. Um, this is from Arvika, where I was working this year. I met a lady there that we came in contact with. Um, and she was about 80 years old, actually. She was not a Christian. 
And not only that, but she has actually, she had actually taken a step away from Christianity because of hypocrisy. You know, she, when she was young, she didn't want to be, how do you say it in English, to be confirmated in the church. You know, and everyone in that time, they did that. And for her to say, she was usually an, an obedient child, you know, an obedient daughter to her father. But this she didn't want to do. Uh, because of hypocrisy in the church, she had taken a step away. Uh, and so she wasn't, it was not just that she didn't believe in God, but she, she was kind of, you know, skeptical and negative because of things she had experienced. But anyway, I was able to get to know her. I started to have Bible studies with her. And I showed her, you know, Daniel too. I showed her other reasons to believe in the Bible and, and, and some things like this. And when, when I showed her these things, you know, she was amazed. And she was convicted that what these things, this was true. This was true. And she told me, you know, she had never heard anything like this before. And she had never heard about Adventists before. She was about eight years. And she was eager to listen, eager to hear, eager to receive. And she told me this. She said this. Why has no one told me this before? Why has no one told me this before? And you know, the thing is this, she is not the only one. She is not the only one. Jesus said, the harvest truly is great and the laborers are few. And we have been told through the spirit of prophecy that all over the world, men and women are looking wistfully to heaven, prayers and tears are inquired to go up from souls longing for light, for grace and for the Holy Spirit. Many are on the verge of the kingdom, waiting only to be gathered in. All over the world, also in our countries, in our areas where we live, and that's our experience every summer, there are people that is open, just waiting to hear and to receive the gospel. God asked Isaiah, he said to Isaiah, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Isaiah answered, here am I. Send me. And the thing is this. Our loving Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he asks you and me the same question today. He says, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? What is your answer to him? What is your answer to what he is calling you to do? I want to say like Isaiah, here am I, send me. If that also is your desire, I will invite you to, to kneel down together with me as we close with a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much um, for the privilege of being your ambassadors. There is no higher privilege, no greater joy than that. And God, we, we, we want to say with you, and we want to say to you that we are willing to go where you want to lead us. And I pray that if there is someone that listens to this, either here or in, on the recording, that maybe feel they're not ready to say this yet, to answer like Isaiah, I pray that you may show them your glory as you showed Isaiah your glory. 
That they may see and understand your love. And that they may taste and see that you are good. And that you truly are a loving God. Worthy to be um, loved. To be praised and to be served. And God, I just pray that you may be with us. Each and every one of us. Help us to see God and to understand. What you call us to do. I pray that you may show us specifically... Maybe there is someone here you call to start up impact or something similar in their countries. That you may show the way. That you may show the team you want them to work together with. Uh, that, you may, that you may lead the way. That you may show when to start, where to go, how to do it. That you may help out. I thank you, God, uh, for how you have raised up this moment and I thank you for everything you have done and how you have blessed so much God it would never happen without you and how you have blessed the last years and I thank you for how you will continue to bless and how you will continue to do things around the world in different ways so that you soon can come back to this world help us God to have this definite aim in mind to reach the world in this generation pray these things in Jesus name Amen. This message was recorded through a partnership between GYC and GYC Europe at the 2012 conference in Linz, Austria. GYC is supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church seeks to inspire young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.